If you have your Bibles, and if you have a notepad or whatever you're reading out of, um, we're going to be looking at a couple portions of Scripture. So as you're settling down and the ladies are getting seated, um, one of the hardest books to find that we're going to talk about is Hosea. <laughs> so if, if, it's, if it's hard to find that book, now's the time to find Hosea and put your finger in there. <laughs> because that is where we're going to leave off with the most beautiful prophetic word of God. <clears throat> And what he has to say about who is beautiful and what he has made beautiful. So in Hosea, put your finger in there. All right, also our key verses in 2 Corinthians. So stick a little, stick your, um, a piece of paper or something in 2 Corinthians. And then another portion of scripture that talks about the fragrance of Jesus Christ is in Ephesians chapter 5. And then of course Lydia in the book of Acts. So like um, Sarah said, we're going to look at a whole thing because we cannot look at beauty until we behold what has been made beautiful. And Sean, I don't know if this is, there's a lot of feedback. I don't know. Okay, cool. All right, so I'm just going to pray once again. Father, we are not fragrant. We confess, Father God, we have nothing but filthy rags in our own righteousness, in our own manner, our own way, our own thinking, our own, even our own plans, Lord. But, Father, you make things beautiful. When John said, behold, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How beautiful were his feet that brought this good news, Lord. And I'm just so thankful, Lord, that you have given us Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who is beautiful. You said that was your son whom you were well pleased, and that was the one we should listen to. That's the one who's beautiful. That's the one that laid on the altar. That's the one that died for our sins. That's the one who rises again and who is beautiful that we cling to, Lord. Father, let us lay off every hindrance, everything and sinful nature that entangles us, Lord, that we would be made beautiful because of Christ's beauty in us, Lord. We confess in and of ourselves, Lord, we cannot make beautiful, Lord. Father, only you can make beautiful. Only you can make fragrance from beauty, Father, fragrance comes from what is made beautiful. And so, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, anoint your word, Lord. Anoint your very spirit, Father God, that speaks, Lord. And I pray for these blessed sisters, all those that are here, Lord Jesus. Father, for the things that are on the heart, the desires, Father God, the things that they want to be made beautiful and fragrant and outflowing, an inspirational going into the lives of their marriages, their homes, their families, their kids, their workplaces, this community, this church, or that the fragrance of Christ would be such a sweet aroma to you. And out of that abundance to you, Lord, we would see and behold your beauty, and it would be beautiful to one another, and we would enjoy that sweet fellowship with one another. So, Lord, I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Okay, so when you think of an aroma, an aroma is actually neutral. Did you guys know that? Aromas are neutral until they are infused with something, right? So we have our diffusers here, and they put a scent in it, and the aroma comes out, and it's being diffused. And so aromas can actually be neutral. Think about perfume. It can take on a very good scent, or it can take on a very bad scent, would you say? We've all been by someone who hasn't showered, or someone who's just done too much in their day, and they're just like, let me just put on more perfume. Okay, that's a bad aroma. A beautiful aroma is sometimes when you smell something, and a perfume, you're like, what is that? It turns your head, and you're looking, and you're wanting to follow that aroma. So that aroma can be good or bad, right? What about a baby, a newborn baby? Sarah's about to have a baby. When she beholds that baby, when the baby is birthed, not only will she behold God and the image of God in her hands and his creation, but the scent of a newborn child, the scent of a child is so amazing that Yankee Candle Factory wishes they could put it in one of their new scents. If you've been to Yankee Candle and they've got 50,000 scents, they don't have the baby scent. So write into them and you'll win the $500 what should be our new scent smell. But also, a baby can have a horrible scent. What's the horrible scent? Poopy diaper. Mommy, 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 here's your baby. Right? It's like that scent isn't so wonderful. What about the time I was trying to lose 50 pounds and the scent of fresh baked bread was lofting through the house and cookies were there when somebody was making them? That was a bad scent <laughs> because I was tempted to eat the whole plate of cookies and that scent was going to not lead me into um, 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 
producing what was good in me by eating more cookies when I'm trying to lose 50 pounds. But for the one who's worked hard all day and her husbands are coming home and he smells that bread, oh, that scent is amazing. And he's hoping you have real butter, not the <laughs> stuff that's fake. Um, so that scent. So scents can be good or bad. Would we agree? Yes. It's who has the scent and what is the scent doing? And so for us, we want to look at the scent that is above all scents, the fragrance that is higher than all, that lifts our eyes, lifts our nose, and we are, in cap we are um, overtaken and captivated by that scent, and that is the scent of Jesus. And for us, the reason we have to look at Jesus is because we need help. In and of ourselves, we cannot have a pleasant scent because we are changing. One minute we're pleasant and sweet and wonderful and, and people enjoy us. And the next minute is like, <laughs> not going to walk into that room. <laughs> not going to go over in there that person. We can be drawing people to us or we can be pushing people away like that baby. Give me that baby. Mm, I love the scent of that baby. Or that baby goes back to mama. And we can have that same scent. And so who is going to help us to have the scent, the scent that people want to be near, the scent that lingers, this thing, the, the scent that is lasting, the one that is not going to fade away, the, not the perfume, not the plug-ins in our house, not the diffusers that you have to keep doing over and over, but what is the scent that's going to remain? What is the scent that's going to stay? It's going to be Jesus. Jesus is going to be the scent that stays. It's going to be the aroma that's going to be beautiful. Have you guys ever heard that commercial on television right now? It says, it's made by Febreze. Have you guys have heard it? I love you, but you stink. I love you, but you stink. God says that our righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. It stinks, right? And so actually, that's a very biblical commercial that Fabrice has had. <laughs> I love you, but you stink. I and it's like God loves us, and he wants to impart everything to us. He wants to give us all of Jesus. But what do we have in us so much that stinks? Ourself. I think, I feel, I want, I believe, me time. All of me, 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 me. The more I have the me aroma in there, there's no room for the Jesus aroma. And that stinks to God. Do you know what happened? There was a time in history when God loved man so much. Do you know what he did? He walked in the garden with him. He spent time with him. He walked with him. He supped with him. But what happened? I love you, Adam. I love you, Eve. But you stink. And you're going outside this garden. There came another time when God started revealing himself. It says that there's a time that God, the man was coming back to God and walking with God and all these things with God. And there was another time God was saying, I love you, but you guys stink. Do you guys know when that time was? It was the days of Noah. It was the days of Noah. For all of us that are getting discouraged right now and thinking about our society right now, let me tell you, it is no different now than it was in the days of Noah. God's love loves us so much, but we have the wrong fragrance. Turn in Genesis 5, 6, 5. 6, 5 Genesis. It said, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent and the thoughts of his heart was continually evil. Oh man, God was sorry that he had made man on earth and he was grieved in his heart. But Noah... Oh, he found favor in God's eyes. Noah was a righteous man, a blameless man in his time. And he walked with God like Adam walked with God, like Enoch walked with God, like Noah is walking with God. And God says, man, I love my creation, but you stink. And I, I, I'm just so grieved in my heart because I love you so much. But your, your hearts, your minds, your thoughts... They're far from me. They're not thinking about me. And they're not thinking of the others I created. You're only continually thinking about yourself. What yourself wants to do. What yourself wants to eat. What yourself wants to be a part of. Where you want to spend your own money. Where you want to spend your own time. You're always just thinking about you. And it's not good. Because it's leading you from a place that's further and further and further. And you're getting into groups and groups and groups of people that are further and further away from me. I love you. Oh man, there's one man. Noah. He will walk with me. He'll talk with me. He'll spend time with me. 
you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use him as an example. He's so fragrant. And I'm going to use him as an example. And so when God redeems his people through Noah, Noah in Genesis 8.21, after the flood and after everything that has happened, and they are a saved people, and he's walking with God. Imagine that time, walking with God, walking with God on that ark, hearing from God, seeing from God. How Noah's heart must have been so grieved for his people. I don't think Noah's heart was saying, ah, they deserved it. Oh, they were wicked. I knew they were wicked. I knew justice was coming for them. I knew that those people weren't walking with God. I knew they were a bunch of hypocrites. And our heart has to be tender and soft for the world. Have a merciful heart for the world. Have the fragrance of mercy. Noah had a merciful loving, gracious, kind, blameless, blameless. That means not even a thought entered his mind that was unloving, unkind, unrighteous, and he walked with God. And so when he's, after the flood, it says that in 821, it says that Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every bird and offered a burnt offering on that altar. And the Lord smelt that smoothing, soothing aroma. And the Lord said to him, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy ever live, every, every living thing as I have done. And he makes this rainbow, this beautiful, beautiful rainbow. A rainbow that is everlasting covenant of again, God with us. It's a do-over. It's a remake. It's, a, it's the best fixer-upper out there. It is God again with mankind, just like Adam when he walked in the garden. Just now, Noah is going to walk in this garden. It's the most beautiful picture of being made fragrant again and being made new again. And God says, oh, I smell the aroma. I smell something that has died on behalf of another. And he says it's pleasing. It's so fragrant to him. And I think about our world today, and I think about all the unfragrant things in the world and all the things that we see and we hear and that are partaken in. And I think to myself, Lord, is there still one man who's blameless? Is there still one man who will walk with God? Is there still one man willing in this whole world to act differently, talk differently, dress differently, do things differently that would be so fragrant to you, that it would be so pleasing, that it would come up to you, that this world would be walking with you? Would we have the life you created it to be? And I think, yeah, there's one man. That man was Jesus. And Jesus was that one man who had came. And that man, Jesus, came because, you know what? I was like the days of Noah. I think we all are like the days of Noah. Have we not been wretched? Have we not had attitudes, actions, thoughts, and ways that are not blameless? If they were written on this board, you know, Jean thought this on her drive up here. Jean thought about this as she walked in the door. Well, when she sat next to this person, would we want everything written on that board? I would not be blameless if I could not have a washing and a cleansing and a new mind and a new heart. Who's going to save my mouth from saying the wrong things? Who's going to save my mind from thinking the new things? Who's going to save my actions from doing the things? It's going to be Jesus. He is going to be the sweet-smelling aroma to, G to, to our Lord. But see, an aroma is even better when it is, like all these aroma are external aromas. But see, Jesus is the one aroma that comes into us. He dwells in us. It's not an external aroma like the, the, the animal that laid on the altar and the incense went up to God. You guys all did the study on um, to know God through his name. So you know all about the way in which God provided for himself a sacrifice. And it isn't an external smell going up. But see, now we have Jesus in us, inside of us, renewing us. He is constant. He is powerful. He is refreshing. He is strong. He is able. So when I am fickle and I am fluctuating and I am failing and I am fading, my dependence isn't on me to try to be perfect. That's why 
Paul can say in our, in our key scripture in 2 Corinthians 2.14, Oh, but thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of who? The knowledge of him in every place, every single place I am. It's going to be thanks be to God who's able to be made beautiful. It can't be thanks be to Pinterest that makes everything great. It can't be thanks be to Yankee Candle Factory when I light that aroma. It can't be thanks be to Estee Lauder because I get my little gift pack when I spend $50. It can't be thanks be to that. It has to be to thanks be to God who is with me, in me, through me, and he's leading me in triumph, and he's manifesting out this aroma because I know Jesus, but I also know who I am. And I know what I look like without Jesus, and I know where I've been without Jesus, but thanks be to God who's leading me in my life, and those other things are not leading me. I go to Jesus first. He wants me to do something and wants to give me a Holy Spirit idea. I'll go to Pinterest, but I'm there five minutes. If I need to get my house all cleaned up, I get my house cleaned up. My husband's home, I'll light my candle for five minutes. Those are just my little pieces. They're just little accents. But who is leading me forth? Who is strengthening, helping me? Who's giving me the knowledge, the inspiration? Is Jesus Christ. He's the one doing that for me. It isn't how long I've invested myself in these other things. Because Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then he says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Thanks be to God what Noah did. Thanks be to God what Isaac did in proving his love. His fragrance was so sweet. Thanks be to God who Jesus Christ, because I am helpless to have a good fragrance. I am helpless. Helpless. I am so less without his help. Remember that. When you're going through your day, think about how less you can get this done unless you get the help of one who's demonstrated his help for you. He is the one who has come. I would remain in that state if it wasn't for God. And you know what happens once I know Jesus Christ? Then I get to be with Jesus Christ. You know who was on that inner circle with Jesus Christ? Peter, James, and John. Where were they going? Transfiguration. Who are they seeing? The glory of God. Who are they with? The people of God. We're getting a glimpse of heaven. We're getting a glimpse of all mankind being together with Jesus. I get to be on that mountain when I'm reading his word. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, when I'm spending time with God, I'm transfigured. I'm knowing that the focus is not this body. The focus is glory, heaven. That fragrance looks so much better than the sweat of, I got to climb the mountain. I got to be a better person. I got to try to be nicer and more pleasant. I can't climb that mountain. I need to be on that mountain with Jesus Christ. I need to be there with Elijah. I need to be there listening to the Father saying, listen, this is my son. Listen to him. How can we listen to God today? How can we take on that fragrance? If we're not in the word of God, if we're not with the people of God, if we're not listening to Christian music, if we're not praying, if we're not at Bible study, how are we going to listen to him? We need to listen to his words. That word overshadowed says these guys were talking amongst themselves. And the Lord stepped right in and said, mm, listen to him. We spend a lot of time talking. We spend a lot of time voicing our opinions. We spend a lot of time saying things. But we need the overshadowing work of the Holy Spirit interrupting us, saying, this is my son, listen to him. And when we have the fragrance of Christ, we're listening to him. We're also there at the baptism, the rebirth. If you have not been baptized, you need to pray and spend time with the Lord and say, Father, I want that baptism. I want that declaration. I want everyone to see and smell and know that I am in Christ Jesus. I want to go down to the river. I want to go down to that water, and I'm raised up in life just like Jesus. When the Father said to him in Matthew 3, 17, and behold, the voice out of heaven said, this is my son. When you get baptized, you know he says, this is my daughter. This is my girl. This is the one I've called out of darkness to light. This is the one. I'm so pleased she chose me. So pleased she's not doing the stuff she used to do. I'm so pleased she's not living that life anymore. I'm so pleased she's my girl. 
the way I created her to be from the beginning, walking with me in this garden that's oh, so fragrant. We're there hearing God's beloved words. We're understanding that he takes such pleasure in us. And we have this beautiful, beautiful example from our word to listen to him. See, because sometimes we can listen to the wrong things. You know, Paul was very well acquainted with listening to the wrong things, right? He had listened to the Pharisees too long. The Pharisees weren't following Jesus. They weren't listening to Jesus. They weren't being filled with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we can stick around listening to the wrong people too long. We can stick around the wrong television programs too long, the wrong radio stations too long, the wrong computer sites too long. Paul had stuck around the Pharisees too long to the point where he knew, oh, I'm so right. Oh, I so know the way. And he completely missed Jesus. And I think about my life. How long did I stick around the wrong people, places, and things too long, thinking I'm so right when I was really wrong? When I was really immature at 50, 60, 70, 80, I don't know. I just feel like I'm still going to be too immature compared to Jesus and the things of eternity that I won't even understand until I'm there. Sometimes I'm lacking illumination. Oh, Lord, I just need to understand and see by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'm not walking in the Spirit. Sometimes I'm not rightly dividing the Word of God, the whole Word of God. I'm taking pieces and trying to make my own thing. Or maybe just being unteachable or unyielding. See, Paul became fragrant when he saw Jesus. Paul realized, oh, the Pharisees didn't understand it. In part they did, but not everything. He needed illumination. He needed to mature. He needed the filling of the Holy Spirit. He needed the whole word of God. He needed to be teachable and yielding. And God would do that to him. So when he gets over into Ephesians 5, 1, you can understand Paul's heart. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up as an offering sacrifice to God as a what? Fragrant aroma. He understand he was the wrong. He, he imitated all the wrong people. He imitated the wrong teachings. Now he's going, man, I know who to imitate now. I, I know who to smell like now. I got to smell like my father in heaven. I, I've, I've got to be able to, to be filled with his spirit. I've got to be able to be understood that I am loved by my father, not because the Pharisees told me there were 600 rules, I gotta do this, and I gotta do this, and I gotta do that. And, I, and sometimes as women, we feel like, okay, I'll be loving my husband if I do this, do this, do this, do this. I'll be loving my kids if I do this, do this. I'll be, I'll be a good friend to my friends. My friends will all like me if I do this and do this and this and this. And our church people, and we can make all these lists, and we wear ourselves out. And at the end of the day, we don't feel very fragrant. I don't until I sit with my Lord and he tells me, I love you. I love you. When you were baptized, that pleased me. When you were up on the mountain away from everybody else reading your word, when you were there praying on your knees, oh, I'm so pleased. That is something to behold his beauty to understand that you are beloved. He calls himself an imitator of God, he tells us to imitate God, and says, we're beloved children. Once you understand how loved you are, then the fragrance of love will come from you. I truly believe that some of the things that we see happening to one another in this world is because we don't understand how loved we are. We don't understand how beautiful our God is. And I believe that when we understand that we are beloved children, then we can start walking in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to the Lord because he understood love. He understood how well God said, this is my son, how pleased, how close. And Paul said, I got to follow this. This is something I got to be a part of. This is where I want to be. This is what I want to teach. This is what I want to be a part of. See, that word fragrant, aroma, is interesting. If you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the Old Testament, it doesn't use the word fragrant when they do sacrifices. Sweet, savoring is used because God, oh, it delights his heart. 
and fills his heart with this loving relationship from all the stuff that separated us from him. But see, when it comes to Jesus, he uses the word fragrant. He calls Jesus fragrant. Jesus is a fragrant offering because you know why fragrant means, in the Greek it means, oh, it's so pleasant. It produces a feeling of happiness in me. It produces this kinship of relationship and a friendship next to me. That's why the Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that's our Jesus. That word fragrant means so likable. It's so likable. And isn't that what the world needs? A feeling of happiness, right? But it's not TGIF Friday happiness. It's not I need to eat, drink, or get tattooed happiness. It's not my house needs to look like the fixer-upper happiness. It's the happiness that, oh, oh, Jesus, I'm getting close to Jesus. It's so pleasant. It's so likable. Oh, it's so friendly. That's the fragrance that God said that he had through Jesus Christ. So Paul knew the fragrance of the Pharisees. He knew his own, his life. He knew where he had been. And he says, this is where I want to be. And I just really believe, as I was praying for you guys, I really really believe that some of you don't believe you're loved, that some of you don't believe that you were unconditionally loved, and that when you said yes to Jesus, he said, this is my daughter whom I'm well pleased. When you got baptized, he had joy, and he put that banner over you of love. And I'm going to say, afterwards, I know Sarah said there's going to be a time for prayer. If you struggle with it, knowing that you are truly loved, unconditionally, completely captivated by the Lord. I want you to come up for prayer. And I want you to be touched by the love of Christ. I want the Holy Spirit to show you how much you are loved because that fragrance of love will now touch others' lives. And that's the fragrance we have, is of love. If we don't have love, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. You can do a lot of things. But the lasting, lingering thing will not be the flowers, will not be the food. It will be if the person loved you who sat next to you, across from you, down the table. If that person loved you, then you saw Jesus. And you're going to want to be where Jesus is. This is something that is ignited, that can never be removed. It will always be constant. It will be rooted it will be without hypocrisy, like Romans 12, 9. What does the world say about the Christian? We're a bunch of hypocrites, right? But see, when we have the fragrance of love, Paul said in Romans, because he knew what it's like to now have been one way and now have been another. And Paul says in Romans 12, 9, he says, hey, when we've got this love, let's do it without hypocrisy. All right, you guys, can we agree with that? Paul's like, yeah, got it, got it. Okay, no more hypocrisy. Let's forget about what's evil. Oh, man, let's cling to what is good. Paul says, you know, when we get together, let's be devoted to one another. Hey, you know the one who's next to you? Love them. Give them brotherly love. And better than that, think better of them than yourself. Put their needs above your own, he says in Romans um, 12, 10. He says, hey, you know what? When we're together, don't be slagging behind. Don't be an Eeyore. He says, let's be fervent in serving the Lord. Let's be together in the Lord. And you know what? Have a good attitude about it. Let's rejoice in hope, okay, he says. And when it's tough, don't feel like it's tough, he says, persevering in tribulation. And when you guys are together, let's do this. He says, come on, let's pray. Let's be devoted to prayer. And you know what? If you see anybody that has a need, let's contribute to them. Hey, and you know what? If your house is there, open up your house to somebody. Invite your neighbor in. Who's the widow down the street that needs to come over for a cup of tea? He says, come on, you guys. Let's not be like the world. Let's practice hospitality. And you know what else we're going to do? Is we're going to be cheerful givers. We're not going to count our pennies. We're not going to say, oh, I did my 10% here and I did my this, this. And No, we're not doing that. When we go to the grocery store, when we're at the store, we're picking up gifts for people. And we're saying, you know what? I bet this would bless somebody. You know what? My neighbor down the street, I saw that, you know what? Their front yard just doesn't look its best. And I'm bringing a bouquet of flowers to them. I recently did that to somebody. I cannot tell you what God did in that moment a house that nobody will go to in our neighborhood. And the Lord just said, you know what? You're at the store. Get a bouquet of flowers. Walk up to the door and just say, you know, I was at the store today. I was thinking about you. Can I give you some flowers? I'm your neighbor. I don't get to see you because I'm always in a car. You're probably driving your car, but I'm your neighbor. You know, that's what he says. Be a cheerful giver. And then he says, you know what? In verse 14, he says, bless those 
that persecute you. Yeah, there's going to be people that are going to say things, but you know what? Bless them. Don't curse them. Don't go, well, I hope they get a ticket driving down the street. You know, don't say those things. And he says, you know what? When someone's happy, be happy for them. Don't go, well, I wish I got new clothes every time I went to the store or don't, you know, or I wish I could have, you know, the, the Uber pick me up Panera lunch every day at my work. You know, don't do that. But instead, rejoice. Man, what a blessing. She works hard. Praise the Lord. Someone brought her lunch today. And when someone is hurting, weep with them. Weep with them. Don't give all the pat answers. Don't give the Christianese. Love them. Pray with them. Hug them. And then he says in verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Have the same thoughts. Don't try to out-talk each other, over-talk each other. Have to be heard. Have to have your two cents in there. There's a person in my life, I tell you, I never can complete a sentence when I'm around her. And so I've learned just to be quiet. You know everything? Okay. I got nothing to say. But be of the same mind. And it says in verse 16, don't be haughty in your mind, but associate the lowly. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil to anybody. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. And if possible, oh, it is possible because of Christ. So as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. This is what's Paul's fragrance because he understood the false fragrance. It's a beautiful way when you have seen Christ to let the Holy Spirit manufacture these things in you. It is not a to-do list. And Lydia did this. Lydia did this beautifully. So let's turn over to the book of Acts. Because see, Lydia had lived her life one way also. You know, Lydia was a woman who worked hard. She had a business. She was wealthy. She had money. Acts 16, verse 12. She was um, a woman of position. She was a woman that um, had a reputation, but she didn't know Jehovah God. She didn't know El Shaddai. She didn't know all these wonderful characteristics and attributes about God, but she came to know about God through the Jewish community. And so she became a believer in Jehovah God. She became a believer in the God who created the world and who so loved the world. But she didn't know about Jesus Christ, but she knew about God now. So she had, I'm going to call a two-point conversion. Okay, so the first point of conversion is when she believed what was true. She stepped out of the world and she said, I'm not going to run my business the way I used to. I'm not going to think about money the way I used to. I'm not going to think about my prestige and reputation the way I used to. I'm going to start thinking about God. And so what does she do? Acts 16, 12, and 13, and 14, it says, And from there to Philippi, which was a lead, leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, we were staying in the city for days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to Riverside. And we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down, and we began speaking to the women who were assembled. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira was selling her purple fabrics, a worshiper of God. She was a seller of, of uh, uh, purple fabric. She wasn't selling them at church at the river. So, um, so I'm going to stop there for a second. So we see Lydia in her life. She makes this conversion in her life. And so she says, you know, work isn't the most important thing, anything. My money is not the most important thing. But, you know, God said his people would be so separated that there's going to be one day a week. We're going to stop all that and we're going to get together. The Lord calls it the Sabbath. He says, this is in my commandments. Think about me. We still have a Sabbath rest in the Lord. We still have time. We need to keep stepping away from everything else of this world. And we need to be with Jesus. For us, it's Sundays. You know, for us, it's a time of Bible study. For us, it's a time of prayer. For us, it's coming together and saying, Lord, I don't need to trust in everything else and see everything else. I just need to trust and see you. And she says, as a, as a believer in Jehovah God, that I will come and pray. There wasn't a synagogue. If there wasn't enough people within a town to have a church, it was that they would then gather by the riverbank. So if you were a believer 
and you couldn't find any other believers, you would go to the river because that's where you'd find the believers. And I'm telling you today, that's what the church is still doing today that doesn't have churches or is persecuted. They're finding places to gather and come together on the Sabbath to celebrate and honor the Lord. And so she's there. She's laid aside everything else. And what is she doing? She's praying. She's talking to God. She's spending time with God. And she's there with other women. The importance of fellowship. The, um, the importance of encouraging one another. And there Paul is. She doesn't know who Paul is. But here comes Paul. And now Paul is going to share something exciting. He sees these women there. He sees that the other things of the world aren't important. And what are they doing? They're worshiping God. They're singing songs to God. And they're delight and making melody in their heart. And that's why um, listening to Christian music is so important. What's in your heart 24-7 a day? Are you making melody in your heart to the Lord? Or are we bebopping to some other beat? You know, it's melody in our heart. I sing to the Lord. These songs are on my mind. They move me, compel me, captivate me, show me who I am in Jesus Christ. And I listen to these songs and these words, and they're playing in my home and in my car, and they're in my bathroom on my iPhones while I'm getting ready. And she's worshiping the Lord, and it's evident. He sees these group of women, and he says, man, look at this woman. She's worshiping. And he starts sharing about his life. He starts sharing about where he'd been. He started sharing about his plans. Because up until this point, the context, which we don't have time to talk about, about the key scripture in 2 Corinthians, is that Paul had plans. All right? He had plans. As women, do we got plans? We got plans. Paul had plans too. He says, this is my plan. I'm going here, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. But God says, Paul, you're not going there. I'm going to give you a dream, and you're going to Macedonia. You're going somewhere else. I'm just changing your plans, just saying. How good are you with your plans being changed? What does Paul say? Okay, I'm not going there. The Spirit says, no, I don't go. He wants me to go to Macedonia? I'm going to Macedonia. Where's Philippi? In the region of Macedonia. Who does he find? A group of women praying. The Holy Spirit is doing a work of lives. When God sees us praying, when God sees us gathering, when God sends a messenger, when he's telling us his words, his heart, he's about to do something wonderful. A second point conversion, a church coming, the word of God going out. Is he not still doing that today? If you want to read the most amazing book that will change your thinking right now about our world, read the book by Tom Doyle called Dreams and Visions. Tom Doyle, Dreams and Visions. Everybody that I know that has bought this book will not put it down, and they text me within 24 hours and go, I cannot believe this book. Because what happens is God is coming to places in the world that you and I cannot go to, that missionaries can't go to, that prison sales can't go to. He is sending people. I mean, he can't send the people, so what does he do? He sends himself, the fragrance of Christ. He sends them right into a dream. And the stories that these people are telling today, not 2,000 years ago stories, today is un... I weep at them. I am running up to people who are Muslim because I love them, because I see God's heart for them, how he comes to them. You know what's the first thing he tells them in this dream? I love you. I love you. There is not another word that transcends and fills a person like the complete understanding of love. And how God ordains this is amazing. And so we see this with Lydia. God loved the fact that she left the world. God loved the fact that she was worshiping. God loved the fact that she would put aside her business and her money and gather with the other. God loved the fact that she was there praying. And he says, you know what? I'm sending someone to tell them the good news. I'm sending someone to tell the complete story about Jesus Christ. And so Paul tells the story, and her heart is opened up, and she responds, and what does she respond with? Man, would you please just come stay in my house? Would you baptize with me? And if you're ever in town again, will you please come and stay in my household? She is exhibiting this beautiful fragrance in words and deeds and actions. She is doing all of this, and it is just amazing. She affects a whole town. Now, our time is at an end almost, so I just um, want to share a few more things because um, I haven't even touched our key scripture. <laughs> so go to 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. Because when you understand, when you touch lives, you get so excited. 
There is nothing better than having a life touched. It's better than a selfie. It's better than a thousand likes. It's better than building your boards on Pinterest. But when you touch lives, something amazing happens. And this is what Paul understood. When his plans got changed, when his thoughts of what his life would look like and his ministry would look like, and God gives him this vision. And Paul even has to tell the church at Corinth, look, there's sin going on in the church. You guys got to deal with things that are not right. Then he's got to tell them, hey, you've taken a good step, but you've taken it too far. And he's had to direct and redirect them. And then he says, I wanted to go to this place and trust. And then I wanted, and he's like, his heart is so overfilled with what God wants him to do. And then he comes to this point of this letter in 2 Corinthians 2.14 through 17, it says, But thanks be to God who always, always, always leads us in the triumph in Jesus Christ. And he manifests through us the sweet aroma, the knowledge of him in every place. For we are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one in aroma of death, to one in aroma of life. And who is adequate for these things? Oh, for we are not like the peddlers out there peddling the word of God. Oh, but from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. And so with all his heart for the church, for all his heart for restoring the sin nature, for all his heart for the um, church to have fellowship and friendship with one another and to have a love for one another, for all his heart to be with different parts of the world and to go different places, to rely upon the Holy Spirit, for him to juggle this all in his mind like we juggle. He's like, I'm looking at the end result, and thanks be to God. Oh, I'm so thankful that God knows the beginning from the end. I'm so thankful that he is the leader of my day and my, not my calendar or my iPhone or my Siri reminders. I'm so thankful it's God who is there with me and every step, every moment, every day, every month, every year. He's the strong one. He's the present one. He's the powerful one that leads me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fall in behind him because this is the thought of a Roman army going out for capturing um, um, and warring. And he says, this is what life is like, you guys. I am like a soldier for Christ and I've gone out for battle. And when the Romans went out for battle, they battled. And when they won, they would capture the enemies. And when they come back in town, they'd have these banners that would say, we're the Roman army and we won. And look at our enemy. We have them captive. And then the priests would be on the side and they would hold these big I'm going to pretend this is a lantern. They would hold this big um, incense, and they'd be walking on the sides going, smell our victory, look at our king. I mean, look at our, um, what are they, captains, look at them. And they'd walk on the side, and they'd wave this fragrance, and they'd wave this fragrance, and they'd say, our victory, our triumph, our leaders took these captive. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, it's not the government. It's not our tactics of war that's winning. It's Jesus Christ. Can you smell it? Can you see it? He's leading us, and we're falling behind Jesus, and we're stepping behind him, and we're looking up to him, and he's the one that's going ahead of us. And so, ladies, I have to tell you, your days have to begin with thanksgiving. You have to be talking to Jesus out loud. You have to be saying, Jesus, lead me. You have to say, Jesus, you're triumphal. You're strong. You're magnificent. You have good plans for me because I know what your word says. I know what your plan says. It is not positive thinking. It is not a to-do list. It is not name it and claim it. It is knowing who your God is. It's knowing what his plans are. And you step in behind him. And then it says, what is the um, fourth thing? It says the knowledge of him. I've got knowledge in this situation. When I don't sleep, because I have a lot of medical problems, I have a list about this long of scriptures on sleep. I pull those out. When my day doesn't go the way I want it to go, I pull out my list of, look at Lord, how you've worked together things for good in my life. And I look at that and I weep. Like, I never thought it could go that way. I never thought it would come to that, that you'd make something so beautiful from ashes. I pull out that list. I go, man, Lord, look what you've done. Thanks be to God. So when my sister's going through something, I said, let me comfort you. When Sarah told me about a family member that died, I sent her three whole pages on heaven. <laughs> and I said, when my mom and dad died, and my grandmother died, and my grandfather, and my aunt, and I was there bedside, and I was there at those last minutes, I didn't know about heaven. I didn't want to read a book about heaven. 
I didn't want to read, go through a Bible study in heaven. I said, Father, when I'm reading your word, tell me what heaven looks like. Tell me what it is. I want to smell heaven. Let me just write it down. And I filled, I cannot tell you how many people I have given the scripture list to because I have knowledge of him. I've got knowledge. That's fragrant. It's a beautiful thing when you have the knowledge of him and you know who he is, what he said, and what he's going to do. See, that's why in verse 17, we're not peddling something. This isn't dollar store stuff that we're trying to make look extra fancy. No, this is the best of the best of the best stuff out there. This is the very words of God from the very heart of God by the very breath of God and I'm holding it out with all sincerity. Would you please receive this? And what does that say it is? It's life. It's life to people. People are dying. When you sit with somebody, you're offering either life or death to them. You're holding out words of life or you're condoning their way to death. We have words of life. It smells good. I'm just going to end with this. I was in Georgia, and we were on our way to a conference. And in the morning, we stopped and grabbed a cup of coffee. And this girl's there, and her demeanor and her manner and her way is such. And she goes, how are you doing this morning? And I said, you know what? Actually, I got a text that was really hard for me. I said, but thanks be to God. I have Jesus who's for me and with me and helps me and loves me. I said, you know, I, so I, I'm acting differently today than I probably would have a few years ago. She goes, you know what? I was raised in a cult. I've heard about Jesus, and I know about Jesus. And so I said, well, let me tell you about my Jesus. And I sat there for probably 30 minutes and just told her about love. Not doctrine, not you're going to hell, or you should act this way or dress this way or do this or don't say this and that. No. I just told her about my Jesus is beautiful, that I was once one of these, like the days of Noah. I was just once like Eve in the garden. I messed it up. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who leads us in a triumphal, fragrant victory because I got knowledge of him, and this knowledge remains. It will not fade. It will not fail. It will remain. And what, regardless of how much the world is saying things, we have the words of life that are beautiful. I sat on a plane recently, and I said, this girl is on the phone way too much. I'm like, this girl won't stop looking at her phone. I'm like, this girl's going to talk to me. And so I do the whole opening little thing. Hey, how's your day going? Oh, good. Hey, what have you been traveling for? Oh, visit family. And I'm like, there is no way this girl's escaping me for five hours. I'm like, I don't get to travel places. And if God's sending me somewhere, he's sending me with somebody, right? I'm not in my own little bubble. So I'm on this plane. I'm sitting next to this girl. And so... The Lord told me, he's, she's hurting. Hurting people clam up. Hurting people go inward. Hurting people put up walls. Hurting people hide. And I said, I said, you know what? I came out to visit my family. And I said, not too long ago, my mom and dad died. I said, not too long ago, my brother wouldn't speak to me. But on this trip, guess what? He had lunch with me. It began an open door. And her whole count, I thought, I'm just going to spill my guts. I'm like, so I'm just spilling all this stuff. She starts crying, and she starts weeping. She says, sometimes I don't want to live anymore. I said, can I give you something? I said, have you ever read a letter from God that tells you how much he loves you? Go online and buy the tract, Love Letters from the Father. If you haven't seen it, if you don't have it, those of you share it, go buy it. Start putting tracks in your purse. I call it the throne room ministry. Any bathroom I go on and I'm sitting there, I leave one for the next person who will be sitting there. But everywhere I go, I'm talking to people and I'm leaving them tracks. And, I have the, and they're not the turn and burn tracks. They're not the ugly tracks. They're the 
the heart-touching tracks. And if you need suggestions, I'll give them to you. George Mueller did that. I learned that from George Mueller. So I said, would you like to read a letter from God? Okay, it'll work at the grocery store. Who's ever read a letter from God? Nobody in this world, right? So you just say, would you like to read a letter from God that's written personally to you? And you hand it to them. Every person I give it to weeps by the end of the letter. Every, right? Raise your hand if you read it. Okay, you guys know it. You'll weep by the time you end this letter. And so she's weeping, and she says, this is the answer to everything I'm facing. And I said, at any time in your life, did anybody accurately, truthfully share Jesus Christ? I use that word, accurate and truthfully, oh, I'm sorry, and biblically share Jesus with you. Because a lot of people know of Jesus, but they don't know him truthfully, accurately, and biblically. She says, yeah, I believe so. I said, so did you ever make a decision what you wanted to do? Yeah, that was this, and this was this, and that was a long time ago. I said, I'm on this plane. I said, God loves you so much, he sees your tears and sent me. I go, I'm a nobody. But I go, you're a somebody to him. And that's why I'm sitting on this plane. I said, would you like to rededicate your life to him right now? And she says, yes, I would. And we prayed. She rededicated her life. Am I a somebody? Am I great? No. God is great. He's leading forth in the victory, in the triumph. He's the one that's given me the knowledge. My knowledge? What do I know? But what does God know? What can I store up in here? Let me tell you, ladies, you've been given a magnificent instrument smarter than your iPhone, that is able to store up things. Get a study Bible. Get a life application Bible. Get a translation that you can read. Circle, underline, draw the arrows. Know what God has said. It is powerful. It is powerful. The knowledge of him saves life. Some people are going to mock you, go, no, 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 no. We recently just went door to door in our neighborhood Knocking on doors. And this is what we did. People answer the door and they look at you like. And you know, we said, hi, I'm your neighbor. I just live down the street. I don't get to meet you very often. I just wanted to see how you're doing. Is there anything I can pray for you? Let me tell you, nine out of ten people shared the most intimate details with us of their life. Intimate. And we prayed with them. We made a prayer list and we've been praying the whole month for them. We're going to do it again. This time we're going to bring a loaf of bread. And said, you know what Jesus loved to do? He said, Zacchaeus, come out of that tree. I want to eat dinner at your house. Jesus loves to sit and have meals with people. So we're going to bring a loaf of bread to people and say, you know, it's probably not possible I can come into your house and have dinner. But can I give you a loaf of bread so that when you eat dinner tonight, you will know that there's one who has words of life that are better than bread that can change your life? It's a loaf of bread. It's a bucket Walmart. This is what the world needs, the fragrance of Christ. Not on a t-shirt, not on a banner, but written upon our hearts with love. So that's why I'm saying, ladies, get to know how you are loved. When you understand who you are loved, you will not feel insecure. You will not feel isolated. You will not feel depressed. You will not feel alone. But you will feel greatly greatly the pleasure of the Lord who he says this is my beloved who I love because we are made in the image of God and we are image bearers of God and he loves you and so let's just close Father 